had on Facebook that for his birthday, his wife had the pictures of it. For his birthday, his wife got him a vintage 1968 Chevrolet Camaro. I threw the hint to Vicki, but she said she didn't think that was going to happen to me. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Open your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 7. Mark, chapter 7. Amen. I have time to preach to you a little bit this morning, share a few things with you. I'll try my best, I'll do my very best to not keep you too long. It's 11.30, so um, of course there's, there's no law written that says church has to end at 12. And I think, we, I think we pretty much here at Abundant Life Family Church know that, amen. So Mark chapter number 7, verse, I'm going to begin reading with verse 31. Mark 7 verse 31. Amen. I'm reading this morning from the King James, okay? Mark 7, 31, it says this, And again, departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee through the, mid, through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. Notice that. They beseech him. They beseech Jesus to put his hand upon him. And he took him, Jesus took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears. And he, and I'm going to get to this here, but right here before lunch, notice what Jesus did, that he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed, and he said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. Ephatha, that is, be opened, or be released. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he, he spoke plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished. And notice verse 37. They were beyond measure astonished, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. And I'm using that for my text, my subject this morning there from verse 37. He had done all things well. He has done all things well. Father, thank you today for your... Your presence here in this sanctuary, in this house today. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I just ask today that you would anoint me to minister your word and that you will give me the words that you would have me to, to say and to share with this congregation. I pray for every heart, every ear to be open today to hear and to receive the seed of the word of God into our lives. May it bring forth an abundance of fruit today in each life, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen and amen. Now Jesus in this particular narrative has left the cities of Tyre and Sidon. We talked about that last week. He had went to the coasts of Tyre and Sidon to, to get some rest and relaxation. And while he was there, he ministered to uh, the message last week. He ministered to the Syrophoenician woman who had a daughter that was demon-possessed, and she came to the Lord. And Jesus delivered uh, this woman's daughter. And so now He has left the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and uh, He has headed back to Galilee. And as He is heading back to Galilee, He goes on a side journey. He goes more around Galilee, if you would look on the map on a Bible map to see where Decapolis is, but he passes through, the scripture said, he passes through Decapolis. Now Decapolis was an area of ten cities, and uh, it was there, in case that name sounds familiar, it was there at Decapolis, was where the Lord had been before and delivered the demoniac of Gadara. Remember the man that had the legion of demons? 
that the, the, uh, he was naked and he was lived among the dead, among the tombs and bound. He, they couldn't bind him. They couldn't tame him. They couldn't control him. And Jesus had set that man free in Decapolis. And it was there at Decapolis after he had delivered the man from the legion of devils that the people at Decapolis wanted him out, wanted Jesus out of there. They, they told him, get out of here. Well, they lost their hogs, you know. 2,000 hogs died. And, not, you know, never mind that a man has been delivered by the power of God, but they were more concerned about their hogs than they were about somebody getting saved and getting delivered. So they wanted him out of their coast. And they, they said, get, get on out of here. We don't want you here anymore. And so these people at Decapolis, the first time Jesus had been there, had rejected him. But now he comes back. And you know, when I read that, I thought, wow, isn't it, isn't it great to know what I saw there was that Jesus had been run off and driven away and rejected by a group of people, but yet he comes back to give them a second chance. He comes back to minister to them. And when I thought about that, I thought, thank God for the second chance. How many is here today that you're glad that Jesus gave you a second chance? Maybe even gave you a third chance and a fourth chance. Somebody says, you know, people say sometimes, well, is, is the Lord, is He the God of the second chance? Oh, yes, He is. I'm so glad to know that He always, always gives us an opportunity, another opportunity. Amen? So he comes back there and they welcome him there in Decapolis. And I don't know, the change probably could have been because of the testimony of that maniac, of that demon-possessed man that had been delivered because Jesus had sent him back after he delivered him, sent him back and said, go to your friends, go to your family, go to everybody and tell them and testify to them of the great things that the Lord has done for you. And so the Bible said there in in uh, Mark chapter 5 that he went and published it everywhere about the great things that God had done. So possibly through his testimony that when Jesus came back to the, the area of Decapolis, now the people welcome him. They're not telling him to leave, but they're welcoming him there. And they bring to him, these people at Decapolis bring to Jesus one of their friends. They bring to him a man, as we've read here in this text, it was a man that the Bible says was deaf. He had a, had a hear, He was hearing, as we would say in the politically correct world today, that he had a hearing impairment. He was hearing impaired. The Bible says that he was deaf. He couldn't hear. We don't know if, it was, if he was born that way. We don't know if it was through some kind of accident, what happened. But the man couldn't hear. And uh, he also had an impediment of speech, the Bible says, and, and couldn't talk plain or at all, hardly. And so they bring him to the Lord. And the Bible says that Jesus pulled him aside from the crowd. Jesus ministered to him. Jesus healed him, opened up his deaf ears, opened up his, and loosed his tongue, healed him of his impediment of speech, and instantly the man could hear and he could speak plainly. And the power of God was so demonstrated here in this miracle and in this man's life that the Bible says that the crowd was, was astonished beyond measure. When they saw what Jesus did, they were astonished, they were amazed, and they marveled when they saw the power of God in action in this man's life and what the Lord did for him. Man, I wish we would have some services and some manifestations of the power of God in these these days we live in that would ama totally amaze us and astonish us beyond measure. They were so taken by what Jesus did and so amazed that they made that statement and they said, He has done all things well. And can I tell you something this morning, Abundant Life Family Church, that Jesus still has the power to amaze those who come to Him. Jesus still has the power and is still amazing people today with His mighty power. Amen. We just heard testimony this morning about the, how amazed everybody is. You know, people talk about, well, if we really believe God, we wouldn't be so amazed. Well, I'm telling you, we can believe God and, and see Him work in such a mighty way that it still amazes us at what the Lord can do.
everything that he does. And I agree with what this text says and what these people said. That everything that he does, that Jesus does, he does it well. Jesus doesn't half do anything. Can I get an amen? Everything that he does, he does it right and he does it good and he does it well and he does it 100%. Amen. He never, he never makes any mistakes. Now the miracles of Jesus. Now there are a lot of miracles in the gospel of Mark. Um, I think there's 17 or 19 miracles. And we know that these actual miracles happen. They're not just analogies. These miracles actually happen. But in every miracle that Jesus performed, not only does it teach us and show us that He has power to do the same thing today in our lives, and He does. Do you agree with that? He has power. Uh, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But also the miracles that Jesus performed in people's lives in the Gospels also are parabolic in that they teach us some spiritual lessons as well. What He can do for us, not only physically, but what He can do for us and in us spiritually. And can I tell you something this morning that the most, the, the, the greatest blessings, let me put it this way, the greatest blessings and the greatest miracles that the Lord can do for you or do for me are what He does for us in our spiritual life. Now I thank God... I thank God for healings. I thank God for physical miracles. Healing of, 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 of Rob this week was a, was a miracle from the Lord, and we thank the Lord for that. But you know what? The most important miracles that Jesus does are the miracles that He performs in our spiritual lives. Amen. And we're not taking away anything from, from the, the physical or the natural miracles, not at all. But can I tell you this? You know, you can, you can, have, you can have a crippled body or a sick body, and, uh, but, but if you're, you know, and, and you, can, you can be, if you're saved, you can die with that disease and be healed by going to heaven. But can I tell you, if your soul isn't healed, if your spirit isn't right with God, you can be well in your body, but you're still in a mess if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. So the most important thing that He does for us, and the number one thing is that He does things for us in our spiritual realm, in our, in our spirit man. Those are the greatest miracles that Jesus does. The new birth is the greatest miracle that there is. When people say the days of miracles are over today, I almost have to laugh because when some, when, when some sinner comes to Jesus and gets born again, a dope addict gets delivered, an alcoholic gets set free, those are the greatest miracles that can ever be performed is those miracles of change, supernatural change and new birth. But they bring this man to the Lord and the condition of, his, of, of this particular man, the Bible says that he's, as I said, deaf and he has a speech impediment. His speech is impaired. And when we look at this man, I believe that he is a picture of a person that is lost, that is without the Lord. He's a picture of where we all were, every single one of us, before we got born again. Somebody said, well, are you sure about that, Brother Rick? And I, 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 yeah, I believe so. I believe that, 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 that when we read the Scriptures and we read through the Gospels, when we see Jesus healing the blind, I believe that's a type of, of course, we know He still opens blind eyes, but that's a type of how He opens the eyes of the spiritual blind. When we see Jesus cleansing the lepers in the Scripture, we know that He actually cleanses lepers and did it then and still does it today. But it's also leprosy was a type of sin. And it shows us how and and, and witnesses to us how that Jesus can still make the unclean clean. He can cleanse us from all unrighteousness and all sin. 
and, and here in this particular narrative today, um, this man here is a picture of a lost person. He's deaf. He's unable to hear. He's unable to speak. He has an impediment in his speech. And I believe that it points us to the fact that a, an individual without the Lord Jesus Christ, a person that is lost, and I know, you know, it's not right, it's not correct in the, in the church world and church realm today to refer to somebody as being lost or to refer to somebody as being a sinner. We're supposed to talk about them being unchurched, not unsaved. But, you know, there's a lot of people that are churched that are still lost. We need, to, we need to point out the facts. There are people that are people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ are lost. Amen? Jesus talked about, in, in, in Luke chapter 15, he gave three parables there talking about the lost. He talked about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And so those who do not know Jesus Christ have never been to Calvary, who have never accepted the saving grace of Jesus, those individuals are lost. The only way to be saved is to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and make him the Lord of our lives. Amen. Man. One guy even went as far one time to say you shouldn't refer to the sinner as being lost, but he's just a pre-Christian. And that, my friend, that's the most, that's the most ludicrous thing I ever heard. I'll just say that. But it's a picture of a person that is lost, that is in a spiritual condition as all of us were. How many here today are saved today by the blood of Jesus? You're in the family of God. Woo! Glory to God. Look at all those hands. That's awesome. Well, you know, we weren't always that way. At one time, we were without hope and without God in this world. At one time, the Bible says we were all dead in trespasses and sin. Nobody was naturally born into this world a saint. Amen. Nobody was naturally born into this world a child of God. We were all born in sin. We were all spiritually dead, dead in trespasses and sin. We were alienated, strangers. Paul says in the book of Ephesians, separated from God and from the covenant of God. And so that's a picture of this man. We were all that way. And this lost, the lost person, those that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ are cut off and are separated from the life of God. And I believe that that's what is illustrated here in this man's condition is because there was one thing he couldn't hear, number one, and he couldn't communicate. And that's the same way that a person outside of Jesus is. They, their, their spiritual ears are closed. Their, 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 their ears are closed to the Word of God. They can't hear the voice of God. They can't hear the Word of God. They can't communicate with God. Their prayers can't get to God. Are you listening to me? I believe there's even some folks within the church that sit on church pews that are in this situation that their ears are plugged up and, and spiritually, oh, they can hear, they can hear a pin drop uh, with their natural hearing, but with their spiritual ears, they are deaf to the word of God. They have closed their ears to what the Lord says. I believe we can bear that out with scripture because there was more than one occasion that Jesus said, ye that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So that was telling us, uh, you know, he said it over and over in the book of Revelation, but that's telling us that it doesn't, it's not necessarily what you hear with these natural ears. He wants you to open up your spiritual ears. Amen. It's like they'd say on the CBs. I don't know if they still use CBs and truck with truckers, do they? Amen. But you know, you know, breaker in one nine, you got your ears on. Amen. Been a long time since I got on a CB. But but you got your well, I say that to you today. Do you have your spiritual ears on and your ears open? But this man represented a, a person that doesn't know the Lord, that has no spiritual hearing or perception of God, and neither do, does he have any way of communicating with God. And can I say this to, to us this morning? We need to understand something today, that, that a person that is outside of Christ or an individual that is, that is living 
in sin, a person that has sin in their life that they're not willing to repent of and to get rid of, has no communication or fellowship with the Lord. Now we can talk about we can talk about all we want to about God hears everybody's prayers but I can tell you this today that those who don't know Jesus are like this man there's no communication with God the prayer that the Lord will hear and answer from somebody that's not saved is when they say God be merciful to me a sinner and take me into the family of God Now that's not to say that God never hears the prayer of a sinner because if it's a prayer that a sinner's praying that God knows if he answers will help lead them to Jesus. I had God answer prayer of mine before I got saved. I don't know if I've ever ever told you all about it or not. But, uh, but uh, you know, one, one time as a teenage boy, I got in some trouble and was locked up in the detention center there in Cape. Uh, glory to God. You, Pat, not our pastor. That's why I say I thank God from where he brought me from and what he brought me out of. Vicki knew me back then. She's just sitting here smiling. I was very fortunate to get a good woman like this, the mess that my life was in, let me tell you. But anyway, I was in that, I was in that hole. I was in that basement cell. I was in that solitary place. They didn't even put me upstairs with all the rest of the, of the, of the kids. But they put me down in the basement. And I, I was sitting down there, and I can remember it to this very day, that I was sitting there and I said this. I said, Lord... If you get me out of here, oh, hallelujah. You know, God knows how to orchestrate your life to bring you to the place where you're ready to call on him. I said, Lord, if you'll get me out of here, I'm going back to church. I'm going to get right. I'm going to live right. I'm telling you, it wasn't 10 minutes. It wasn't 10 minutes till the guy from the, from the detention center came down and said, somebody's here to pick you up. Somebody's here. God answered my prayer. Amen? But God answered. You know who it was? Did I ever tell you? You know who it was that came to pick me up? It was my uncle who was a Pentecostal preacher. Amen. He, when I saw him, I thought, oh, well, thanks, Lord, for getting me out, but you could have sent somebody else. But here I am sitting in the car. I got to listen to a sermon all the way home. Amen. He was bending my ear. He was saying, you know, Ricky, you need to get right with God. You need to get saved. And that was just the thing I didn't tell him the Lord. Amen. But I'm out now, praise God. It's, it's amazing how when God helps you in a mess and you make a vow, sometimes it's easy to forget what, the, what you promised to the Lord. Long story short, God, God brought me to where I am today. But the point is, God sometimes will answer the prayer of a sinner if it's to God's advantage to bring that sinner to Jesus. But without, listen, without being in Christ, we have no communication with the Lord. We have no guarantee of getting our prayers answered. And people that think, people that think that they can live any way they want to, go anywhere they want to, be involved in any kind of lifestyle they want, And then when they need the Lord, they just call on the Lord for prayer and God's going to answer their prayer. That, that, my friend, that does not exist in the Scripture. Because when you're separated from the Lord, there's an impediment there of speech. God told, are you hearing me? God said, David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isaiah told the people of God in Isaiah 59, he said, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that he cannot heal. His ear is not heavy, that he cannot hear. But he said, your sins has separated you from me. I'm not hearing you because you're not living for me. And here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, if we expect the Lord to meet our needs, to answer our prayers, to do things for us, to help us, to hear us when we pray, we need to make sure we're living for Him and walking in His ways. Amen? 
sin separates us from the Lord. But his friends, his friends, he had, thank God he had some friends. Don't know if they were family members, friends, the scripture doesn't say, but it says that they did bring him to Jesus. And the thing about it was, they not only brought him to Jesus, but the scripture said that they, the King James says that they beseeched the Lord. I looked at that, I looked at that verse in several other translations. And about every translation that I read it in, it said that they were begging the Lord. They were pleading with the Lord. And the thing that they were pleading with the Lord to do was to put His hands upon this man. They were pleading with the Lord to touch their friend or their family member, asking Jesus to do something for him, to touch him. What a picture this is of intercession. What a picture this is of intercession. How many of y'all know what intercession is? Intercession or intercessory prayer is when we come to the Lord in behalf of somebody else. When we're not coming to the Lord to get our own need met. When we're not coming to the Lord to ask Him to do something for us. But when we're coming to the Lord to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge and to pray for somebody else that's in need of prayer. And intercessory prayer is such an important aspect of prayer in our prayer life. And I taught about it on Wednesday night some months back. But this is a perfect picture of intercession. Thank God, thank God. And I've said this before. But I thank God that when I was, when I was lost, when I was out in sin, thank God that I had some folks that were interceding for me, that were praying for me. Amen, because I didn't want to, I was like this guy here. I had no communication with the Lord. Uh, my, my speech <laughs> before I got saved wasn't too good at all, amen? But uh, I didn't have any communion. I, I didn't want to hear from God. I didn't want to talk about God. I didn't want anybody talking to me about God but thank God, there were some folks in my family, there were some loved ones that I had that were taking me before the Lord on a continual basis and were saying, Lord, there's a Ricky out there. He's lost, he's undone, his life's a mess. Lord, would you put your hands on him? Lord, would you put your hands on him? Would you touch his life? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My cousin was one of them. I was talking to her a few days ago or a couple of weeks ago, talking about intercession. I was talking about this very subject of praying for people, family members to be saved. And I told her, I said, I know the reason that I'm, I'm in church and doing what I'm doing today. It was because there were some folks that would not give up on me. There were some folks that brought me before the throne of God's grace. There were some folks that were saying, Lord, touch that boy and bring him to his senses. Open his eyes, open his ears, open him up that he can hear the word of God. She told me, she said, well, I know I was one of them that was praying for you. She told me this, she said, I took a picture of you. She said, I can remember doing this. Took a picture of you and laid my hands on it and prayed in tongues and prayed in the Holy Ghost for several hours at a time. Can, and you know, somebody said, well, that's foolish. I can tell you one thing. It broke the bonds of Satan. It opened up my spiritual ears to be able to hear from God and bring me into the family of God. We need some intercessors. We need some men and women today. We need some believers today that will stand in that gap, that will make up that hedge, that will bring those loved ones, those children, those family members continually before the throne of grace. Amen. Don't give up praying. Lay your hands on him. What an important lesson of what just happened with Rob this week. In this testimony, there was churches praying for Rob, standing in the gap for Rob and praying, Lord, put your hands on him. Put your hands on him. Touch him. Save individuals. Change them. Transform their lives. That's what we need to be praying for today. 
There's so many examples in the scripture of that, but uh, you, you, know, you know what intercessory prayer is. So don't ever stop asking God to touch the lives of those who are, who are needing to hear from the Lord. Amen? Praise God. But notice this. I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta hurry up here. They brought him to Jesus and Jesus asked Jesus to lay his hands on him and then Jesus begins to minister to him. And there's some biblical principles and lessons here that, that, that I believe will help us today. Because the first thing Jesus did, now notice this, the first thing that he did when he ministered to this this gentleman was that he took him aside from everybody else. He separated him. The Bible said he took him aside from the multitude in verse 33. He separated him from the rest of the crowd and ministered to him individually. And there's a couple of things here. The first thing that we notice, though, that, that I believe is so, so pertinent today is that, you know, when the, Lord, when the Lord begins to do a work in your life, especially if it's a work of salvation, the Lord wants to pull you away from the worldly crowd. Oh, ain't nobody hearing me today. Amen. I said he wants to separate, and this is what the Lord did. He separated him. He wants to separate us from the crowd when he, in order to be able to do a work in our life. And we need to understand that's one of the, one of the, the, the ministry works of the Holy Spirit, how he works in our lives. Is he separates us. Oh, glory to God. When, listen, when we come to Jesus, he separates us from the crowd. Are you listening to me? That's one of the things I know. I know that's not very popular either today. But the Lord wants to separate us from the world. He wants to separate us from our old life and give us a brand new life. And that's what He does. He pulls us away from the crowd. And you know, when I got saved, the, the old friends that I used to have, I don't have them no more. That's such a big mistake that, that people make when they get saved. They think they can run with the same crowd, to go with the same people, go to the same places. That is not the way it works. He delivers us from that mess. He brings us out of that. He separates, Jesus separates us from that old life. Are you listening to me? Oh, hallelujah. When I got up from that altar, thank God I knew I was changed. The things that I once loved, I didn't love anymore. The things that I wanted to do before, I didn't want to do anymore. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit works in our lives to separate us from the world, from that old life, from that sin. Amen? The things of God now are, are, are what we are drawn to. There's something about the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in the life of an individual when He brings them into salvation is that, that He puts something in us, a new nature in us, that we are magnetically pulled away from the attraction of the world and we're brought into a brand new attraction and desire for the things of God. Hallelujah. If you're today, you know, people that, that claim to be saved, but if your attraction is still to the world, if it's still to the, to the, to the world system and the sins of the world, there's something wrong somewhere. Because when Jesus gives you a new nature and a new life and a new heart, He separates you all completely from that old life. You're a new creation. You're a new creature. And, and Paul said that when you're a new creature, that old things, all the old things have passed away and all things become new. Amen? We're separated from that worldly crowd. And when we do, you know what? That's a sure sign. That's a sure sign that Jesus has touched your life when the things you used to love you don't love anymore. And the things that you used to hate now the things that you love. He's changed your life. Amen? There's got to be a separate... You know, we need today... We, you know what we need in the church? We need a fresh conviction of the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. 
It's amazing when church folks can do stuff that's wrong. And then say, don't bother me. We need a fresh conviction of the Holy Spirit to separate us from the worldly crowd. Jesus pulled him away from the, from the crowd and then he did something that was very unique. Never in any of the Gospels did he ever do this to anybody else that it's recorded. But he put his fingers in this man's ears and then he spit and touched his tongue. Somebody said, ooh, gross. Let me tell you something. The saliva of the Lord Jesus was holy saliva. His blood, oh, glory to God. His blood wasn't tainted with sin. And in his saliva, there was nothing that was impure. There was nothing that, there was no bacteria, no germs. It was the most holy thing. Glory to God. I know that's hard for us to get on. Jesus didn't have bad breath. Jesus didn't need Listerine. Jesus didn't need any of that. Amen. He was the perfect man. Come on, somebody. But he spit and he touched the man's tongue with the spittle, with with the spittle. And it's the only time he ever did this. We see Jesus healing in so many different ways, you know, in the Gospels. I mean, he, one time he touched the leper, another time he told the lepers just to go show themselves to the priest. And uh, there was times that he touched the blind man. Then there was a, another time when he spit again. He spit on the ground and made some mud out of the clay and smeared the mud, you know. Smeared, anointed the blind man's eyes with the mud and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he went and washed and he came back and he was healed. And there was a lot of different things that Jesus did in ways that he healed but this was a unique way here he sticks his fingers in the deaf man's ear and uh, and and then he he spits and touches his tongue and, and so what we see when we see the different ways that Jesus healed was what it shows us here the lesson that it gives us is that Jesus listen Jesus uh, gave every person he ministered to every individual got the the special attention from the master he dealt with everybody as an individual Now listen to me. We're all saved by the same blood. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one way, and that's the way of the cross and through the blood of Jesus. Amen? Every road doesn't lead to God, God, only one way, and that's the way through Jesus Christ. So we're all saved by the same blood. But the Lord uses different circumstances and different means and different ways to work in our life. He's always working and orchestrating everything. If we got somebody praying for us, Brother Jim mentioned it this morning. When you pray for that loved one and say, whatever it takes, bring them to Jesus. Let me tell you, they're going to get the special attention of the Lord Jesus Christ and He knows what it will take to bring them to Him. Amen? Well, I don't want anything bad to happen to them. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. Anything that could happen that would bring somebody to Jesus would be better than them dying lost and spending eternity in hell. But he deals with each of us on a personal level. Dorothy testified this morning how that God used her affliction. Did God cause it? No, but he used it to bring her back here and and to get her in Abundant Life Church and to restore her, her relationship with the Lord. Amen? Did God cause that disease and rob? No, He allowed it. He didn't, it wasn't causative of the Lord, but the Lord did use it to perform a miracle. Is anybody here with me today? You know, when Lazarus was sick and, and, and died, and Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And people stop right there and say, well, sickness is for the glory of God. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, this sickness isn't unto death, but it's for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. Isn't that what the Lord said? How was He glorified? Jesus wasn't glorified by Lazarus being sick or dying, but Jesus was glorified when He stepped up to that tomb and said, take 
the stone away and hollered, Lazarus, come out. And when Lazarus came out, then he was glorified and multitudes of people turned to the Lord and believed on the Lord through that miracle. I'm believing that through this miracle of Rob, that people are going to be saved and come to the Lord because he deals with us on an individual basis. He knows how to get to us. He knows how to reach our loved ones. Woo! I wish I had time. I could give my story. Of course, I've done it before. But God dealt with me in a unique way, in an individual way. God dealt, everybody here has got a story. Paul had a Damascus Road experience that was unique to anybody else, but it got him saved. And he told it every time he got the opportunity. He told them, let me tell you what happened to me on the Damascus. He deals with us individually. And so he is ministering to them. Now listen. This guy can't communicate with Jesus. So Jesus is using... Why didn't... I know we can ask the question, why didn't Jesus just say, be open... And his ears open, and then Jesus communicate with him. Well, I'll tell you the reason I believe that he did it this way. is because every time someone came to Jesus, nearly every time for healing, Jesus always encouraged faith in them. Didn't, didn't he do that? He would always say, according to your faith, or, or do you believe that I'm able to do this? And he would always encourage faith in those individuals. And this guy can't hear him speak. So I believe Jesus is using a form of sign language. You, you don't have to believe this. You don't want to, but I'm the one who got the microphone, so I'm, I'm not going to tell it. I believe that he was communicating with this man in a form of sign language. When Jesus put his fingers in his ears, Jesus, I believe Jesus was communicating to him. And Jesus was saying to him, uh, he was saying to him, I am going to do something about your deafness. I'm getting ready to do something about the deafness in your ears. When Jesus spit and touched his his tongue. I believe that it was the Lord saying to him and communicating to him that I am about to lubricate this tongue and break the string of this tongue and let you speak and let you talk again. I believe that what Jesus was doing was a form of communication with this man that was deaf and with this man that had the impediment of speech and he was awakening faith in him and Jesus was letting him know I'm giving getting ready to do something. Something is about to happen in your life. Your life is about to change. I'm encouraging faith. Get ready. The ears are going to open. The tongue is going to loose. And I believe the man understood. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for the touch of the master. Thank God for the touch of the man. He can communicate with you if you'll let him. Jesus could communicate here with a deaf man that couldn't talk and can't communicate with half the church. Well, praise God. I'll just let that soak for a minute. He put his fingers in his ears. He spit, touched his tongue. Get ready, something's going to happen. And then Jesus looked up to heaven. He was communicating. And he was telling him, what's getting ready to happen to you is coming from above. Oh, if he could just get us to look up. If I could just get you all to look up today. If I could get you to realize today that your help, your your help, what you need today, you're not going to find it in man. Amen. Thank God for what for what doctors can do. We don't we don't criticize or condemn doctors. I believe that doctors and 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 nurses and and uh, surgeons and and all of that. They're all working for the Lord. They're working to the same end that the Lord is, is to bring healing and help to somebody's life. So we're not, we're not condemning doctors.
others. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter if you've got the best physician, the best surgeon, the best doctor in, in the Mayo Clinic, amen. If you're gonna get anything and get what you need, it's gonna have to come. It's gonna have to come from right up there. It's gonna have to come from the Lord. Lift up your eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and earth. Amen. Who are you looking to today for your help? Who are you looking to for, the, for your healing? Who are you looking to for your victory? Who are you looking to for your deliverance? Who are you looking to today? I hope you're not looking, into, looking to a preacher. I hope you're not looking to some deliverance ministry. I hope you're not looking to some church. I hope you're not looking to a denomination. I hope you're not looking to the Pope. I hope you're looking up to the Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, the God Almighty. He is your help. He is your victory. He is your deliverer. Woo! He's saying, look up. And then Jesus went. And Jesus went. He sighed. The Greek says, it's the same word for he, he groaned within himself. He did that at the tomb of Lazarus. He, he groaned within himself. I believe that that sigh, now the deaf man couldn't hear it, but he could see the chest of Jesus expanding, and contracting as he sighed. He was communicating to him how much he cared about him and his situation. It was a, a sigh of compassion, a sigh of love, a groan in there in his spirit, a travail in his spirit, reaching out and travailing and groaning for the condition of this man that he wanted to help him. Can I tell you something? He's touched today. You've got a great high priest today that cares about you you got a great high priest today that knows what you're going through. you got a great high priest today that feels what you're feeling and he knows where you're at, amen. And he's touched with the feelings of your infirmities. Hallelujah. That old song, someone to care, someone to share. Hallelujah. It says he'll look down from the skies, wipe the tears from your eyes. You're his child and he cares for you. Peter said, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. I want you to know Jesus is compassionate toward you and toward your need today. He, he wants to help you. Amen. He sighed and he spoke one word. Ephatha. An Aramaic word that meant, the scripture said it was, that it meant to be opened. And as soon as he put the fingers in his ears, touched his tongue, looked up, communicated with him to get ready to receive, he said to him, See, and that's, that's what I'm trying to get you to do today. Some of you are listening, some of you are not, but I'm trying to communicate to you to get you ready to receive what the Lord has for you. And then he spoke the word and said, Ephatha, be opened. Woo! And just like that, he could hear. His ears were opened up and he could now hear. And just like that, straightway, the Bible says, immediately, the Bible says that the string of his tongue was loose. The power of God, the spoken word of the Lord Jesus Christ. The spoken word of God broke the string in his impediment of speech, opened his ears just like that. He was instantly healed. He could hear, he could talk, amen. Everything was all right. He got his miracle. 
Can I tell you something today? That there is power. We don't understand. We don't realize. We, we fail to, to comprehend today the power that is in the spoken word of God. We, we can't get it. We just don't receive it, it seems like. The power that's in his spoken word. I'm going to tell you this book right here. This book right here. It, it, it is the Word of God. It just doesn't contain the Word. This is the Almighty inspired God breathed Word of Almighty God. The same Word that spoke the heavens and the earth into creation. He's given us that book. This is His Word. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. The Bible says that He sent His Word and He healed them and delivered them from their destruction. And what we need to do is understand the power of his word, of his spoken word, and put this word in our heart and out of our mouth and draw the sword of the spirit and drive back every power of darkness. Amen. Woo. The power of be open, Ephatha. And immediately it was done. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for His Word. The power of His Word. One command from Jesus. One word from the Lord. Change this man's life forever. That's the power of God's Word. and His Word hadn't lost any of His power today. There's power. What you, listen, what's happening right here, right now, there's power in this, the preached Word. The, the Gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. Jesus said in, in, in John 8, 32, you shall know what? You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. You must receive and embrace the truth. People have Bibles sitting all over their house and coffee tables and in their nightstands and everywhere else. But just having the truth won't do you any good. You've got to know the truth. You've got to, you've got to believe the truth. You've got to act upon the truth. You've got to put the truth in your heart. Declare it out of your mouth. One word from God can change your life forever. I've saw, I've saw lives changed by the power of the Word of God. I saw spiritually deaf ears open by the power of the Word of God. I saw the scales fall off of spiritually blinded eyes by the power of the Word of God, the preached Word of God. I saw the spiritually dead raised to life and men and women born again and saved by the power of the preached Word of Almighty God. Amen? And Jesus healed this man and they were all amazed and, and, and he told them, he commanded them to tell nobody. He didn't want any more crowds coming than what was already coming. And he gave them the command that they should tell no one, but they, they did just the opposite. They went and told everybody. What a contrast I thought that is to us today because the contrast is that today he commands us to tell everyone, but we won't tell anybody about the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. Worship team, you can make your way back. Listen to me. 